My name is Brock Hanna. I'm a part of the 412 leadership team here at Marion Methodist. Um, brothers and sisters, let's uh, join our voices in saying um, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Uh, brothers and sisters, today's scripture comes from Mark 4, 1 through 9, and it says this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Excuse me. Let's see. Sorry, I lost my spot. But then the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and the withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Will you pray with me? Father God, um, I ask you today with, to be with Pastor Mike. Um, Allow your words to go through him so that um, we might hear that message and apply it to our lives. Father God, um, allow your Holy Spirit to be here. Um, allow us to feel your presence so that we can um, be confident in who we are and who you've made us. It's in your heavenly name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Well, first, a moment about 412. Um, you were part of our youth band worship today. And, of course, you saw the tribute given to their director, Simon, who has just two more Sundays with them. So uh, let's uh, certainly, in our praise of God, let's give them a hand and him a hand. That was wonderful. I hope it came over well to those of you that are part of the church online because it was certainly magnificent here within the building. It's great to see not only that we have a real strong senior class, but a bunch of uh, middle schoolers coming up that are really going to bless us in the years to come. And, you know, we are uh, at Marion Methodist. We believe that there are five marks in our discipleship, prayers, presence, gifts, witness, service. And I think just from Friday night on, I saw most every single one of those uh, getting hit. I came into the church on Friday evening, and, and here was our bell choir warming up. Uh, we had tech folks back there running it. And I got to tell you, this is a little bit harder to run this building than just flipping on the lights. 
Um, and they did a fantastic job and the practice was wonderful. And then I went out in the center and there were 39 of our students here for an overnight retreat that had been planned by four of our high school uh, seniors. They uh, recruited lovingly seven adults to come spend the night with them, which is amazing. The, the United Methodist women made bay baskets for the students. The, the Methodist men came up at uh, five o'clock in the morning and made breakfast for them. And you see, to me, uh, and Kim Reed, who owns Dairy Queen, gave us 50 dilly bars or however many dilly bars they needed. You see, to me, that's service. When you have a congregation that scoops up their children and says, it is very important for us to give witness to you by sharing our gifts and our service with you. And of course, we'll keep praying for you. So keep praying for our kids, every single kid in the world, those that came here and sat in the front rows to watch what we pray will be some of their role models and examples uh, in the future. Lead us in worship. So important. I also ask, as you saw the tribute video to Simon, which was fantastic, and I appreciate Carly for putting that together. Uh, we ask you to pray uh, that for your staff parish relations committee and for candidates that are out there, that the right candidate to lead us into the next mo movement in our future uh, emerges in the worship director's job and our ministry for discipleship job. Um, we hope to fill those soon, but we're going to do this right, not rushed, and listen to the Holy Spirit. So your prayers are coveted. Uh, necessary and needed. So thank you for that. And one other thing before I go to preaching the almighty word of God today. Um, the World Methodist Federation has over 80 million persons in the world that affiliate with one of the denominations underneath that. The Wesleyan Church, the African Methodist Church Zion, uh, the Free Methodist Church, the, the United Methodist Church. And today is the launching of a new denomination underneath the World Methodist Federation called the Global Methodist Church. The Global Methodist Church has emerged and it will be uh, portions of people that are in United Methodist Churches now affiliating with the global church to become a whole new denomination, partially because our denomination of the United Methodist Church has been in 53 years of consistent membership decline. Also now we're coming into to some time where we're certainly interpreting uh, the historic traditions of the church and of course the Holy Scriptures uh, differently. Um, you probably read some of that in the front page of the Cedar Rapids Gazette um, earlier this week and uh, that is why uh, we are having programs and whatnot here because I certainly want people to be understand and uh, be informed when we come to a vote probably early in 2023 as to which direction this church will go. Um, I certainly have my feeling as to where we should go, and I believe we should pursue that which is called the Global Methodist Church, and you need to be informed. So when we make a decision, uh, that's why we have a program next week. That's why we have a program on the 15th to see both sides of that so that you can be informed and go forward on that. And we came here to worship God, not to talk about denominational conflict, so that won't, that won't infiltrate the messages of the church very frequently here. Today we come to Holy Communion. And at Holy Communion, there is an invitation to all people that are here. It doesn't matter if you're a member of our church. It doesn't matter even if you're Methodist or not. It doesn't matter if you're one of those 80 million people that are part of the World Methodist Federation. It really doesn't even matter to us whether you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because this is an opportunity for you today. So when we get to communion, please feel invited to participate in that which we do. And I also remind you that at communion, we take communion beyond our walls to those who are unable to come and join us here through our homebound communion. Now to the scripture that Brock read a few moments ago. 
Let's not make this hard. Sometimes we take the word of God and we make it so difficult. We say it's so complicated. It's hard to understand. This one's not hard to understand. So let's not make it hard. Jesus says, a sower went out to sow. That means to plant seeds. They didn't have John Deere's. They didn't have New Holland. They didn't have Massey Ferguson or International Harvester. They had their hands. They got the ground ready, cultivated it by hand, and then they just broadcast their seeds. They just broadcast and threw the seeds everywhere. So seeds hit good soil and they hit not so good soil. And then Jesus tells this parable, four different kinds of soil, and he says at the end, whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Which is Jesus' nice way of saying, listen. Listen. Listen to the word that's coming to you from my lips. See, so often we hear words, but we really don't listen to their meanings. You know, there's uh, sometimes officials, you know, they have to stand in receiving lines. You know, they greet people one after another. People say things to them. Well, back in when Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the president, there was some sort of receiving line, and one of his generals thought, everybody's saying something to the president. I doubt he even listens to any of it. Just kind of pats him on the shoulder and moves him on. And you can understand how that might happen. So he decided, well, I'm just going to say something to see if he's actually listening. And the president shook his hand and the general leaned in and said, uh, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the president looked at him and simply said, I'm sure she had it coming to her. <laughs> so everybody's capable. Everybody's capable of hearing. And we're admonished to attend to hearing. Be prepared to hear and you will hear. So let's look at that parable. The farmer represents Jesus. Don't make a mistake about this. And the seed that's being spread represents the gospel. And as the farmer of Jesus' day spread the seed profusely all over the field, so does Jesus relentlessly spread the gospel to every human heart, those of us here, those of us online, and beyond that. And the parable reminds us that because of the human heart, because of free will and the fact that we have a choice. Jesus himself anticipated some failure within his own ministry. He knew that some people would simply not receive it. So let's not make this hard. The various types of soil represent the receptivity of the individual heart, the human heart. The path, you know, some seed falls on the path. Jesus talks about that. So this, these are all images, okay? He's really not teaching people how to farm. You understand that, right? So, so when you throw some seed and it lands on the path, what Jesus is saying is the heart of some is simply hardened to the Lord. That's just the way it is. Sometimes it's because they've, they've chosen. I don't want anything to do with the Lord. Other, because of some incident, usually some dramatic or traumatic incident in their lives, and they, their heart has been made hardened. And the seed of the gospel won't penetrate that hardness. And so Jesus gives the image. It falls on the path. The wind will blow it away. The birds will come and eat it, but it certainly will not germinate. Some seed, he says, falls on rocky places. And there's quite a number of us here at Mary Methodist have gone to the Holy Land. And this is what we know about Galilean soil. You throw seed on it, and it might jump into the soil, but, but in a lot of places, you know, just an inch or so below the, so, the soil, because, you know, the soil's moving around out there in the desert all the time, there's kind of a limestone shelf. 
And so the, the, the idea is that the, the seed will go in, it rains a little bit, and it'll pop right up, but because it can't dig its roots in, it withers away. Now, what Jesus is telling us is that those are the people that, that sometimes we look at that, that see Christianity and say, well, that's a great idea. I mean, I love the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me. I love the fact that my sins are forgiven. I love the idea that there is an eternity plan for me. And this is great. I, and I, I kind of want some of that. But then some of those folks, and we can all change our soil. That's important to this. But some of those folks say Christianity is a great idea, but they have no capacity for the depths of it and how we're supposed to get into the gospel and understand it. They have no real capacity for the requirements of, of fully turning their life to Christ and offering their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their witness, and their service. So, some of the seed says Jesus falls on thorny soil. Now, the interesting thing about the thorny soil is it does grow stuff. And, and and the seeds will pop up. They'll germinate quickly. They'll pop up. But because of the other root structures, they wither fast. Now, in the world in which we live, we equate that soil to what I call the want-to crowd. They, they want to be Christians. They really do. This is a great idea. They know that, that being the Christian is the right thing to do, and they want to do it. And everything else in their life, all the everything in their life lowers its priority. They have this and this and this and this and all of a sudden Christianity drops down to here and just like the seed that's planted on thorny ground, their Christianity is choked out. And Jesus says, some seed falls on good soil. Some of it falls on good soil and the roots go deep and it establishes itself and it holds on and as Brock read, it produces 30, 60, 100 fold, a huge, huge produce. They become a Jesus follower and a message sharer. Let's not make this hard. Jesus' message divides people. This is the simple truth. Jesus' message divides people into those who accept his message and those who who do not accept his message. See, this is very important for us to understand because the tendency of people, and we're a people, the tendency of people is that we want to live in that gray area that is between fully hardened and fully committed. We want to be somewhere, we want to be moderate. You know, we just want to be in the middle. This is not something Jesus offers us. Though he presents it in a very winsome way, though he presents it in, in tales and testimony, in, in, in stories and in miracles and in other ways. Jesus is clear throughout Scripture, miss this not, as are the prophets that precede him, in offering a binary choice. You either are or you are not. And don't misunderstand clarity for harshness. Sometimes we say, well, that's so harsh. It's, no, the choice is one that's beautiful. You can either be fully and completely in, 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 in line with, have your life in line with Jesus, or you can choose not to. You're offered both things. And what our world needs is plenty of folks that will make that choice because our world needs no part-time disciples and Jesus needs no part-time disciples. We don't want God when we call on God in our prayers or when we call on God in the most difficult times of our lives or the most joyous times. Of our we don't want God to be on break, do we? 
We don't, we don't want God to be off on vacation. We need God all the time. And God needs his disciples all the time. So the same is true of, of the Lord's disciples. You are either in or out, which is why the Lord Jesus a number of times in Scripture simply says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, but let it be yours. Now let's not make this hard. The question is then, are you prepared to hear the Lord speak? And do you believe the Lord speaks? See, the scriptural narrative is ripe with Jesus speaking with God speaking to us. Do you, do you believe that when Moses was on the mountain and he saw the bush of burning but not being consumed, that the voice out of it was God? Do you believe that when Elijah was on the mountain and that still small voice was whispering into his heart and ear, that that was the voice of God? Do you believe that when Peter, James, and John went up the mount that we call transfiguration, saw Jesus become bright as snow, and they hear this booming voice and heaven open up and a dove come down, do you believe that that was God speaking? When Paul was walking, the Apostle Paul was pursuing Christians walking down the road from Jerusalem to Damascus, Syria, and, and was intercepted by the Lord himself, struck him blind, and he heard the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking to him. Do you believe that that was the Lord speaking? Do you believe that the Lord still speaks today? Do you believe that, as, as Elijah heard, that some of us from time to time hear a small, still voice? encouraging us to do something or discouraging us from doing something, pulling us back from maybe a tragic, uh, you know, incident of sin or something that may be unreversible. Do you believe that sometimes, like we see throughout the gospel, that God nebulously nudges us, maybe just in the voice of our, our, our heart or the voice of our head, that we hear God, we feel God pushing us some way. And do you believe that sometimes, like at the Mount of Transfiguration, God's voice usually literally booms from heaven? I want to tell you, I know I do. I believe that God speaks yet today. I've heard it and I felt it. And I'm not apologetic for sharing that with you. It's part of why I stand where I'm in, where I am. And the question to you comes is do you believe that God speaks? And again, it's a binary choice. There's no I don't know in there. It's either yes, I do believe that God speaks or no, I do not. Let's not make this hard. Do you believe God has something to say to you? Now, I know that some of you in this service, lots of you in this, most of you in this service, don't have as many miles on your tires as Pastor Mike does. But I want to tell you about one of the most famous basketball players of my young life. His name was Pete Maravich. They called him Pistol Pete Maravich. He's the all-time leading scorer still today in college basketball, and there was no three-point shot. There's like Pete Maravich, everyone else. Google it. He'll tell you the truth. But Pete Maravich, drafted number one, went to uh, the Atlanta Hawks, and he was this marvelous scorer, this great athlete, but through his first few years, he suffered with some knee injuries and all that kind of stuff, and he suffered uh, spiritually, mentally. He, he tried, he had no Christian background coming up, so he tried uh, reading the Quran, looked at Islam, he tried Hinduism, he tried Buddhism, he tried transcendental meditation, tried lots and lots of drugs, but could not find the answer to that which was breaking his soul apart. So one day, his team was traveling, and they were in this, a city where a Billy Graham revival was happening. And Pete Maravich, in his mind, said, I want to hear God 
I want to hear him make sense of my life. I want to hear something beyond myself. He walks into that stadium, and of course, those of you that are of an age group know of Billy Graham and what he used to do. And at the end, Billy Graham said, if you are wanting to hear the voice of God, come forward now. And Maravich, being a pro athlete, was boom, first one down on that baseball field. Because he said, that's me, that's me. And in his testimony, which I heard in Columbia, South Carolina, a half dozen years or so later, he said, that was the moment where I truly heard beyond uh, 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 any question that God spoke. He spoke to me on that baseball field because my heart was prepared to hear it and I believed that God spoke. He came in that stadium believing that God had something to say to him and he went down. And you came into this building this morning. And so our question then is, do you believe that God has something to say to you? Do you believe that God has something to say to, insert your name here? Do you? Let's not make this hard. If God speaks, have you decided to listen? Now, don't beat me to the punchline on this joke. Husband's having a hard time with his spouse. She's saying, you can't hear me. You need to have your ears hit, tasted. Don't beat me there. He goes to the doctor with his wife. The doctor has him, you know, raise his hand to all the beeps and bumps and all that kind of stuff. And then they sit down in the consultation. He says, the doctor says to him, I got to tell you, there's nothing wrong with your hearing. You just don't listen. You just don't listen. He had not trained his ears to listen to his spouse. Have we trained our ears to listen to God? I said at the beginning, you can change the soil of your heart. There's this guy, some of you that are Kansas City Chiefs fans or Kansas City Royals fans have heard of this guy named George Toma. He's the, he's the soil guy. He took care of those two stadiums for years down there, had the best grass in the world according to everybody that grows grass, including the Masters Golf Tournament. He he said, oh, you can take soil and change the acidic level of it. You can take soil and change it from unproductive to productive. It's all in how you prepare the dirt. What's going to grow anywhere depends on how you prepare the dirt. What Jesus is talking about is the soil of our lives. He's uh, talking about our ears, of course, but he says, prepare the ears of your life to hear that which I am going to say. The parable of the soils or the parable of the seeds is about the unlistening because the unlistening are devoured, choked up, or burnt out. But the listening who have transformed their soil to receptive become Jesus' disciples. Now let's not make this hard. When you hear God's word, believe them. Believe them. You know, our default is to doubt Years ago, Teresa and I went to the Chicago Auto Show. It was fun, you know. Got to see all the cars that I could never afford, right? And they had all these little booths. And, and we have, like, uh, Teresa has some problems sometimes with tightness in her neck. And this guy, this lady, actually lady, she convinced me that you could buy this chemically filled little plastic thing and it had holes and stuff in it. And you put it in boiling water for a few minutes and, and you just squeeze these things and it stays hot for an hour. And I want to tell you, I threw more than 100 bucks at this thing because I was like, man, if that'll relieve Teresa. But what we found out after we used it the first time, it worked. 
But then it became hard as a rock. And we realized, you know, hot rag is better. I just got kind of tricked in that. You know, somebody used their words, and she just tricked me into thinking, well, this is the greatest thing ever. It's like a one-time-use product. That's not it. But we all know that because we've been tricked. We've been misled. We've been lied to by people. And I will tell you this, God's voice is different because God does not say the truth. God is the truth. So everything that comes out of God's heart, everything that comes out of God's mind is truth because he's unable to lie. He's unable to deceive. That's not who and what God is. So when you hear what you know, and this is, by the way, very personal and important. When you hear what you know to be God's voice, you can stop questioning and believe it fully with all of yourself. Let's not make this hard. Use the words you hear from God as the basis for your decisions and attitudes. Let the word of God be your guide for morality and ethics and how you live your life. Let the word of God be the foundation for every single portion of your life, all of it. Do not make this hard. Base the rest of your life on the words of God that come into your heart. Listen, there's a table there right now because of the bells and I do hope you all come back at four o'clock this afternoon because it will be an epic moment of worship and a great production but right under this table there's an X and some of you in this room have stood at that X and you've had this experience that's what I call the bride and groom X and the last thing we do in our premarital situation in counseling is I have the groom and the bride stand here they look at each other straight in their eyes and I talk about the fact that what you're doing when you say your marriage vows is that this, the person you're looking at, this is my plan for my whole life. I have no other plan but to be married to them. I have no other plan but to be with you. This is your plan. You have that plan. And before this moment, but certainly after this moment, you're admonished to quit looking around, quit hedging your best because this is your plan. When, when we hear God's word, we can quit looking around. We can put every aspect of our life standing on the foundation of God's word. So let's not make this hard. To hear Jesus is to make him your Lord. And when you make Jesus your Lord, you have to step down from the throne that's on your life and allow him to sit in it because it was his and it was always his and that is where from he rules your life. You can kneel. And with the tongue of your heart and the tongue of your mouth, confess that Jesus is your Lord and Master, and you're happy about it. So that's the whole thing. I say it all the time. I'm a Christian, a disciple of Christ, and I'm not mad about it. I'm thrilled about it. And so, you know, as you come to communion today, there's really that one question to really let roast in your soul, and that is, what is the Lord saying to you today?